When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Out of the gates and ready to go with Hot Mike. Putty with Row here. You there. Glad you're with us. Bobby Carpenter will be with us in 20 minutes. We'll talk NFL and college football headlines. We have Tim Brando on with us in hour the number great two. Tim right. Brando. He will be on with us to preview the final four, which tips off on Saturday. And the founder of Outkick, our fearless leader, Clay Travis, with us in hour three. Yeah, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hudson. Excited to be here. I feel like when I open the show clapping, yeah. it just brings a different level of energy. Maybe not for you or for anyone no, else in the it's studio. All good. It's all good. But it helps my energy, so I'm going to keep doing it until it. that energy goes down. Congrats on the victory last night. Thank you. It was hard fought. Chad's the coach. Um, not our, we, you know, we played a, a younger team who was very feisty, very good team. They're going to be very good a year from now. Um, already good right now, and we held on for a, a close victory. Um, but, you know, a lot of things to learn from last night from that game. Primary complaint coming up in about 45 minutes. Always enjoy that each Wednesday. And we have plenty of discussion on the Final Four and more. There's a lot of headlines coming out of the NFL owners meetings in Arizona, which wrapped up today. And while we'll get to the potential sale for the Washington Commanders and we'll discuss some other rules changes throughout the show, to me, the, the storyline from yesterday is Thursday night football and what the owners have voted through and allowed moving forward versus what they're going to vote on in May. They will be voting in May on the possibility of flexing teams late in the season, weeks 14 through 17, with 15 days notice to Thursday night for the two weeks in advance possibility that you have two losing teams on Amazon that's not good for the league. They could potentially set up a scenario where a team in playoff contention is on a short week, playing for the second time on a short week. And there's also the potential that a team that would be flexed out of that game would not have to face a short week at all. Now, they say it's going to be for a game that features two losing teams. But I'm here to tell you, if the game is not up to par for ratings purposes, the NFL owners are going to flex and allow Amazon to flex the best game possible from the remaining schedule that isn't Sunday night or Monday night football. And it goes to show you that, bottom line, the NFL owners care about one thing, making money and keeping those that are paying billions happy. When I say this number, it's a very nice rating. Thursday Night Football on Amazon in year one averaged around 9 million viewers. To anyone else in sports, in entertainment, in news, 9 million viewers, you'd kill for that. But when you consider that it was a 45% drop from the ratings with Fox and NFL Network the year prior, Amazon wants to go big. And while the NFL owners 
and the league and the shield will promote safety. And we're all about, you know, making sure that we're doing everything possible to not put our players in harm's way. They, on a short week, will play you on Thursday night. And now they've allowed for the possibility, based on a vote in May, for this to happen twice to a team instead of every team having to do it. Now a team would have to do it twice, and potentially a team doesn't have to do it at all based on how bad they are. Point being, they are about NFL player safety. Sure, unless the ratings drop, because that's when the billion-dollar contracts come back up. And that's what they're doing here. Where is the owner's mindset? Making more money. Where are the players in this? We've seen players retweet and discuss this on social media. And while the NFL players, for the most part, are alphas, I'm here to tell you their NFLPA president is a beta. Demore Smith, silent as usual on this issue, and looking at this two or three minutes prior to going to air, still no statement from him. Maybe we get that, maybe we don't. But it really doesn't matter. Because whatever the NFL owners want, the NFL owners are going to get and the players ultimately are going to play potentially twice on a short week. I think this is awful. Uh, the turnaround, having been behind the scenes with an NFL team for years, it's not easy. And you don't always have the luxury of being the home team. You travel, you'll fly out on a Wednesday after playing on Sunday. Potentially you're on the road Sunday flying back. You've got you know, the, the physicians and the, the team doctors looking you over for all of the the bumps and bruises and potential big issues, soft tissue issues on Monday, barely a practice on Tuesday. You travel on Wednesday, you play Thursday and sure you get the long weekend, but that is a clear advantage to the home team. And now it's potentially a clear advantage to the home team going into the postseason. It's, it's ridiculous. And by the way, not every owner is on board with this. Here is John Mara, the owner of the New York giants discussing where he stands on this versus what he is ultimately expecting in May on the vote. Our season ticket holders to people in full our stadiums every week. Uh, people have gotten used to going from Sunday afternoon to Sunday night. That doesn't mean that they like it. This year, um, we could be flexed to Monday night, which I think is really inconsiderate to our ticket But to flex a game back to Thursday night, to me, is just uh, abusive. And I am adamantly opposed to it. Um, I think it. Didn't get unfortunately didn't get enough votes uh, today, but it'll probably be missing if, it, if, it if I'm sitting here and couldn't I hear that, I know you couldn't either. Uh, I do know what he said though, which is he finds it abusive to have to flex a game back a few days based on what you've already done in the season to that point. If you're already having the, facing the possibility of being flexed a Sunday night or potentially Monday night in a given week at that time frame. Who believes that they're going to flex in two losing teams to that they, game? No, they're flexing out two losing teams. Okay. They're setting up the ratings to where you don't have a schedule that looks good on paper for Amazon, and then they have the Broncos facing off against the Arizona Cardinals in week So 15. the teams that will pay the price possibly with short weeks will be the playoff teams. Yes. That are going, in going forward. Yes. Um and, and by, the way, by the way, it's another case of what's right for the fan isn't what's right for the players at all times. 
Right. Because what's right for the fan is to get a better well, solo window and that on national TV for the best possible yeah, but, game. But if you're going to the game, is that what's best for the fan? If you're getting tickets to go to a Sunday game, you have the possibility of having to go on Monday, but then you may have to bump it up a few days to go on Thursday with 15 days notice. Isn't that... I think the, the coop has been flown on that whole notion about fans and attendance. This is all about TV. Right. That's how they make the majority of their revenue. Um, you look in the Cardinals. I mean, I feel like for years that was an organization run by the, the motto of anything we get from the gate is just bonus. We can make millions just by television revenue, and it doesn't matter what happens there. So, but, but, um, I, I, Yes, it does inconvenience the fans that go to the games, no doubt about it. Um, what, what I would like is the best possible matchup on Thursday night, but if I'm a player or I'm an owner or I'm uh, maybe not the owners, if I'm a player or coach, I would hate this setup where you could have multiple short weeks and you're finding things out this close to time when, it, when it's that short of a, a layoff in between games. I don't think that's good for the quality of the teams and the games late in the season especially. But I'd also rather have better games in that slot. But Hutton, you bring up something. Nine million viewers on Thursday night. The NBA Finals did about 12.2 million on average. That is the championship series of the NBA. These are random Thursday nights during football season. They're getting nine million. With terrible Turning games. into a streaming app. With terrible games. To watch the games that are bad. Yes. So it's not all... <clears throat> I would say that to say, is it really something that's in need of this drastic of a change? Right now. I, if Amazon I'd say the answer is probably yes. no. If Amazon wants it, though, if they're paying a billion dollars for the rights to this and they want to be able to have you know, a, a winning matchup or playoffs on the line type matchup to pull an audience in and you want to restructure a deal in the coming years, I mean, the NFL owners are going to do that. I don't know what the language is of the contract, but my understanding of contracts, typically, you sign the deal, you're locked in for that many years, you sign the deal at what the current situation is, which is right. they give you a predetermined Thursday night schedule, or you, and that's what you're paying for. Or you pay an extra $300 million to have the ability to flex a game. I mean, if you want to tear up the contract and then start a new one now and have that... I don't know why they go to vote on this in May if that's I don't, not the case. I don't either. That's why I thought all this was weird, because I'm thinking this should be something that's voted on. I don't know the length of this contract. With Amazon, this should be voted on a year out of that contract ending when you were in negotiations with Apple and with Fox and with Prime Video and with other places to say this is the new price of it. And oh, by the way, with this new long-term contract, you get flexed in games and you're going to get some of the best games every Thursday night. And here's the premium price for that one. Maybe there's some sort of out with Amazon in this or Escalator, if this were to happen, that they're going to get immediate money from this if they vote it through. I, I just take it as they saw the ratings dip. Uh, and the owners don't want that either. They don't want a 45% audience decrease on average per game either. Um, but what it does set up, though, in a competitive imbalance, because while every team has to go through a schedule where you're playing the Thursday night on a short week, every team would have to do that based on what we did the previous years. What this sets up is not only could two teams do this now, or you could do it twice now for any team. It also, I'll throw out uh, Dallas and Philadelphia. They played on Christmas Day, right? That's, let's just say that's a Sunday noon game, and the playoffs are on the line, or the division's on the line. Hypothetically, 
not only would Dallas have to potentially, I'll throw Dallas in there as the example because they pull numbers, have to play on the Thursday night short week prior to that in the NFL, that would also give them 10 days to prepare after that game for what would have been their second Thursday night football game on the schedule, which would not have been allowed prior to what the owners are putting in. The Amazon deal goes through 2032, and they're paying a billion dollars a season for this. Um, big money, and the NFL owners are going to continue to pull numbers, pull that billion-dollar contract and make them happy. They'll bend the knee, and they'll do more on their knees while they're there for Amazon or any of their TV partners. And the partners do the same thing for them. They do their bidding. It's a great partnership for the owners, not for the players. It's, it's incredible to me. And I guess this is what the liberties you get if you um, can dictate to the networks exactly what to do. Yep. I've always marveled at the relationship between the two. That it's the networks that pay all of this money to the NFL only to be demanded by the NFL and dictated to them about don't talk about concussions, don't talk about this issue, don't do that, fire this person because they're questioning this with us. And I'm thinking, if I'm the network exec, who the hell are you? We're the ones paying you billions of dollars and millions of dollars for this product. So we'll tell you what to do. This is the first example I can think of of the network apparently telling them exactly what to do. And that's Amazon saying, do this, we want it done, make it happen. Because, again, I don't have the language of the contract in front of me, but the NFL has a signed contract through 2032, which I'm guessing they can just say, this is what you signed it under. We will look at the possibility of the next contract moving to flex scheduling, and then you or someone else will pay more for that contract. Well, but there's always something. There's always the out, like you're saying. Uh, Fox had the out. They got out a year early on their Thursday night football package. So there's always an out with what the... the but, I mean, the, the, the networks play ball because the NFL pulls numbers. It'll be their highest rated thing on, on TV or streaming all season. And it is that way every single year. They always end up winning, both sides. So they stick together. And meanwhile, the players, by the way, will continue to act like they're pissed off and they'll play potentially twice on Thursday night if they're told to. Hit us up with your thoughts on social. You can join us as well on the stream. Glad you're listening across the radio network as well. We'll ask Bobby Carpenter about this when we come back. From the player's perspective, former Dallas Cowboy will weigh in and we'll hit some bigger topics across the college landscape as well. You're listening to Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Tim Brando joins us in about an hour. Clay Travis coming up as well. Right now we say hello to Bobby Carpenter, who joins us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, the professor at Ohio State. And 
a lot to discuss. Bobby, how are you, man? Gentlemen, I'm good. I, I like the rebranding here. It feels like you're maybe sitting in the seventh level of hell, though. A little worried about you know, all yeah. the reds you've got going on. Like an on episode in the of back. South Park. Yeah. We are definitely in hell. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. And I do love the nickname Professor. Can we start calling you the, the Professor now on this show? For six weeks, we can. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've been doing it for five years. So if you guys want to throw it out there, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'll be more than obliged. Do they still have Maymester up at Ohio State? I remember that being a thing where it's like a month and a half you can get some credits in. Maybe you can reduce your I, role to just Maymester, and then you'll just be a professor uh, for a month and a half. To avoid probation. Well, the problem is with that is it's all condensed, and it's going to be a lot of work in that time. So I'd rather just kind of smooth it out over you know a nice half a semester in the fall, half in the spring. I was always convinced that Maymester was just a construct to get football and basketball players eligible. And I would yeah. hear about Maymester, and I'm thinking, I bet everyone in that class is a star football player at a big college football school, and that's why the school created it, just to give them a few more classes to get eligible. Was that the case at Ohio State, Bobby? Can you break some news for us? So when I was in school, we were on quarters. We didn't have Maymester. Um, but what's interesting, there were guys that would take classes uh, you know, once it got instituted, but a lot of them, then they would start, they would do internships during their Maymester. So while there were guys, you know, with or we were probably not far off where, yeah, they could go, you know, get some extra credits, get eligible, get their GPA up or whatever. A lot of guys really started enjoying it then to go do a month, you know, long internship and, you know, have that count for some credits and do some different things. So it's, a, it's an institute of higher learning, man. And they're trying to educate <laughs> the kids and prepare for life. Bobby Carpenter with us. You can check him out on SiriusXM Channel 84. Um, so uh, to open the show, we were discussing the NFL owners meetings. And while they have not voted this through, it'll take 75% of the ownership vote to do it. They'll do this in May, speaking of Maymester. Um, they have allowed, based on what they'll be voting on in May, for the possibility of Thursday night football flexing late in the season, weeks 14 through 17, would be available for them. I'm curious where you come on this because while the NFL wants to point to player safety and you know making sure that every team would have to do this at least one time during a season, this would allow for a team to possibly have two different short weeks during the season if they're flexed and the potential of a team not having to go through a short week at all if they're flexed out of that game on Thursday night, what are your thoughts on this versus what the NFL wants to point to, which is we're all about player safety and health. So they talk about competitive advantage and competitive disadvantage. They talk about player safety and health. And in the reality, they just want to have a good product on the field, on television and in the stadium. Like, and that's it. That's the long and the short of it. Um, that's why they built all these rules and constructs around protecting the quarterback, providing more offense. That's why they started flexing Sunday night games. That's why they've thrown around flexing the Monday night game and the Thursday night game. You know, much to if you listen to Al Michaels, he'll say it's the bane of his existence, yeah. even though he signed up to do it and is compensated well. But the reality is, guys, like some of those products late in the year are bad. And as a player, yeah, that's going to stink. Where you know you play maybe week five on a short week, and then all of a sudden, you know, you go week. I don't know, 12 or 13, and then you're playing a short week too. And that, that would be brutal. Like it, it would just wear you down physically. But we always say that that matters, but it really doesn't. They'd rather have two teams of consequence that are playing you know, in a game in prime time with a partner that paid a boatload of cash. And so they want to make sure that product's as good as possible. And so would you rather have 
a recognizable quarterback and recognizable teams, or potentially, you know, two teams that have won two or three games and it's, you know, late November, early December, and no one really cares about it. They want to make sure there's eyeballs there and they're continually pumping the product. And, you know, they'll they'll acquiesce. They'll give the players, I'm sure, you know, start doing this. Guys will come back and we'll give you another week off in the offseason or you know, we'll eliminate another week in pads or do whatever. But the reality is, like, it wears you down playing in games like that. It's physically demanding. It will take a toll on players. I'm sure you'll need a couple of years to be able to study injury rates and stuff if you play two, two short week games in a row. But I, I honestly don't think they care, guys. I mean, they're going to try to find a way to make the NFL, you know, impermeable to any poor product being on the field, even if that means, you know, a risk of putting guys out there when they shouldn't be. See, I think they care, but only to a certain extent and with stipulations, right? You're, you're right, Bobby, in that what they ultimately want is the most profitable, entertaining product they can create. But to do that, and this is, you're an economics guy. You are the professor and not me. So I'll, I'll give it to you in a macro sense. If you continue to have players be badly injured or have head brain problems after they play, and this continues to be an issue, the NFL can sell the propaganda about how safe it is to kids all they want, but there's going to be a law of diminishing returns. And when the best athletes in America stop playing the sport altogether – or not as much, that will eventually filter up and affect the overall product of the NFL. So that's the last thing that they want, right? That could be 20, 30 years down the road that I'm talking about this. So I guess what I'm saying is, is there a balance there of making it safe enough and doing the right things to make it long-term successful while also making as much money as possible, inconveniencing the players and teams as much as possible now, just to make the most money they can right this moment? Well, I think you're on to a good point. We start talking about the long-term health of the league, and there's been a number of owners who have given up. You know, you go look all the way back to the collective bargaining and, you know, you know, and the, the Maras, some of these big, uh, you know, big flagship franchises who maybe took a little less up front, understanding that if you collectively bargain as a league, you're going to have a stronger product on the field, and that's why... You can have 32 teams that exist with Buffalo and Green Bay and Jacksonville and Kansas City. And you know what? If you have good players there and good players are willing to stay because you can pay them because the way that it's set up, you're going to have a premier product that everybody wants to consume. And no one's worried about you know it being you know uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder you know playing the Washington Wizards you know on a random Thursday game that nobody's watching like. Everybody loves it because they're always competitively there and always in it. The long-term injury prospects, like I mean, the NFL, the propaganda machine is pretty strong. I feel like they're doing a lot. They'd rather set players out. They'd rather, you know, probably build bigger barriers around it. And you know what? Be more punitive to defensive players for hitting quarterbacks because that's who they really care about anyway. No one cares about the defensive guy that has a concussion. It's when you see Tua walking around like he's had one too many tequila shots and then they let him go back on the field. Like, that's the bigger issue. And so as long as they can take care of that, you know what, they can mitigate. And here's the thing. Hey, you know what, they'll they'll give you some more, maybe another year of insurance post-career, give you some of that because the reality is, you know, there's Amazon deal. Amazon deal. You're talking, you're talking nine figures. We're in the billions here. Per season. And they'll say, hey, we'll throw – 
yeah, we'll throw a couple hundred million at the players, maybe a hundred million to help quell them in some uh, different aspects. And the other thing too is what you're seeing is they're not, Lamar Jackson's trying to get a guaranteed contract. Does he deserve one? I don't know. But I know Deshaun Watson got one. I know that Pat Mahomes should probably push. Joe Burrow should probably push for one. And meanwhile, they're saying, hey, it's not good for the team. It's not good for this. You know, and they're trying to dissuade that so they don't have to worry about paying guys who aren't playing. And, you know, to the bigger point, Withrow, when you start talking about the longevity of getting the best players to play, the best athletes in America to play, there might become a point, a point in time where that changes. But the reality is, I mean, it is a way to change the trajectory of your family's life, regardless how punitive it is and how tough it can be on you long-term. And I tell my kids that all the time. I'm like, your grandfather changed the lives of our family. And hopefully I've done the same for you guys by playing football and subjecting my body. I'm going to be 40 years old. My back's been hurting for the last two weeks for no other reason than probably the fact that I played football as long as I did. There's no reason outside of that. You know, one day my mind will fade, all these things. I I completely understand that. But the trade-off of what it was able to provide to me, you know, was ultimately worth it. As long as I know what exactly could happen to me, and I'm willing to co-sign on those risks, I'm I'm good. Just make sure you give me all the information. And I think that's how a lot of players probably look at it. And that's how a lot of people probably look at it because it's the most visible sport. And while the NBA may be great to talk about, nobody's watching the NBA the way they watch the NFL, and it's not even close. Bobby Carpenter with us. Where Where is the NFL PA and Demora Smith while all this is going on? Um, and... and uh, I was surprised being in locker rooms how little the vast majority of players actually knew about the like the the PA and the collective bargaining agreement that was up and this was 2011 and how much like keeping updated on the status of that players that are leading the locker room that are the representative they do a good job of spreading the news but I don't think the vast majority of players actually care other than if those checks are going to go you know be able to be cashed every week in the fall so the NFL is the youngest league in the, in the country and the owners like to keep it that way. Number one, cause it drives down your injury rates, but two, you don't have a lot of guys who have built up a lot of cash, cash reserves. So like you said, uh, all they care about is, are you taking care of me in the present time? And what is, what is good for me today? They're not necessarily worried about long-term and you know, doing some things that major league baseball did. And believe me, some of the, you know, in the 80s, they had some strikes and tried to get some things done. And they got a lot of stuff changed. But still, when you're looking at the average career of three, three and a half years, I'm not worried about what's happening, you know, six, seven years from now. I'm trying to make sure that I'm on the field and I'm playing. And so it's really tough to get stuff enacted. And it's tough to get it's tough to get stuff passed and pushed through because of that. Because when guys are young, they don't necessarily understand the gravity of everything that's going on. And all they're worried about is, hey, am I getting taken care of in this moment? So that they've built a really good, a really good uh, skeleton of, of how to deal with this and to make sure, from an ownership perspective, that the players will never gain too much power. Simply because they don't have the perspective and they have so much to lose early on, as opposed to guys who are maybe in their thirties who could, it's worth sitting out a year to prove a point for something better to happen. How eager are I, I'm? eager to find out what is said and what Charlie Baker is going to say, the new NCAA president um, on Capitol Hill, where there's uh, Congress is holding the first NIL um, hearing since Baker became 
president of the NCAA. He's pushing for legislation. There are, you know, Congress is discussing whether or not there should be federal legislation. And ultimately, it's Baker's quest to get it reined in more like the NCAA had it than what it became when they took a step back a couple of years ago to their own fault. Yeah, so they're trying to get federal legislation, like you said. I, I don't know if that's something that's practical or if that's something that can even get done. Um, I know they've been beaten up mightily in the course. Yeah. You know, the Supreme Court, there's very rarely a 9-0 ruling. And they got beat up on both sides by two different reasons, for heaven's sake. So I can't imagine that the NCAA is going to be able to develop enough of a consensus and then also have it have the sense of urgency to be able to get something pushed through. They can't get through serious stuff, let alone matters of sport, which, believe me, it's serious to a lot of people, but it's not a life and death situation by any stretch. And in a matter of, you know, national security or whatever. And they, they fight about that stuff all the time. So I don't think that that's a reality that they're going to get that solved. They need to get something done. The real, the, the way that I look at it, I mean, the presidents and ADs are going to have to take a hard look in the mirror and say, Hey, how are we operating? What are we doing? Is there a way that we can do this better currently? And we can find a way to make some rules that we'll all follow that we want to have enforced. And if they do that, the state legislatures, they'll, they'll be able to develop state laws surrounding all of those things. Because the reality is, if Albert, Auburn and Alabama want it, the state of Alabama is going to say, okay, we're going to go along with this. And the states have a much easier time passing things than they do at a federal level. Ohio would be the same thing. You got Michigan, you got South Carolina, and Georgia, like all of these places would be able to get something done in a much quicker fashion. So they've got to figure out how they want to operate. And it has to be something that can't be going back to antiquated times where Players can't even get food and breakfast, but they need to probably have some sort of transparency in the NIL, how it works, who's getting how much money so that it's all registered, kind of like they do in the NFL with the NFLPA, where you know what guys are making, you know what those contracts look like. And I don't know, I mean, trying to get a hold of it in recruiting and grapple that with collectives. I'm not sure how you put that genie back in the bottle, but I think that they actually do have transparency of how much guys are getting what those deals look like, that will help shed light on a lot of these issues and at least give people a baseline and understanding of what is going on and how they need to operate within it. A lot of changes in Columbus this spring, Bobby. New quarterback, losing some some really good receivers. Um, every year at Ohio State, you're going to lose good players in the NFL, and you've got some other NFL players waiting in the wings. So overall, what is the general feeling about this Ohio State program with spring football going on right now? I think it's pretty good. Um, you look at what's interesting, like Ohio State, got Alabama, you've got Georgia, you know, LSU's pretty set with Jaden Daniels. Um, you know, Clemson's got Cade Klubnick. You know, it looks like it's going to be his job as people were kind of pandering for him last year. The Pac-12 is actually probably in the best quarterback situation they've had. Michigan's got, um, you know, a good situation with J.J. McCarthy coming back. And so, like, it's a lot of these schools at the top the quarterback and whether they have like a true battle or not, there's always going to little be a little bit of anxiety when you debut a new guy. And so that's what I think people in Columbus are dealing with. There's a little bit of a quarterback battle. And then they're losing two tackles in their center on offense and the offensive line, which was pretty darn good last year against Georgia. So getting that shirt up and that's and a different era now where you're going in the spring. Okay. Can we get this stuff fixed? How does it look? And if we can't, well, we've got the second round of portal season coming up in May. So any deficiencies we have, it's like that second wave of free agency or the draft where you can ultimately pull somebody in 
and get something done. But people are pretty positive, pretty optimistic. Uh, the wide receiving group is as good as I've seen. They're as good as the guys have been. Hartline's done a great job recruiting there. Defense is pretty good. It's probably going to be a function of, you know, can you protect the young quarterback and give them time to grow and develop in the system? Bobby Carpenter, he joins us each Wednesday at this time, and then he walks into class and throws cell phones against the wall if they ring during his, his lecture. Uh, Bobby, thanks so much, man. We always appreciate it. Great perspective as usual. I, I try to be like the young, cool professor and, you know, let guys, the stuff goes off. People come walking by me in class. It's, it's really amazing. Like I'll be talking and instead of going to like the other door, which I would have done in school and like creeping around, they would just walk right in front of me, you know, in front of the lecture hall. It's like, all right, dude, give them a little pound and they can just keep on walking. It's, it's cool. I mean, I guess your uh, sense of, you know, manners and social etiquette's a little bit different than mine, but. You know what? Teach your own. This is a society we're living in. You're like the teacher who just put on the movie, you know, for class yeah. that all the yeah. kids loved. You're just putting on Wall Street every day in class, and the kids kick back <laughs> and watch. I'm trying. I, 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 we tried that movie day, but I try my best. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks, man. The professor. That's right. Bobby Going. Carpenter uh, joining us on Hot Mike. Chad, the uh, the Capitol Hill discussion. We nothing has made it out of committee. A bill has not come out of committee in any time they've tried this. But this is what Charlie Baker. It, this is his task. Yeah, he you released know? a statement uh, about yeah. an hour ago, and I about fell asleep uh, reading it. And, but basically, the gist of it is, we're happy this is happening. <laughs> yeah, we're happy they're talking about. It. I'm thrilled that this congressional meeting took place. And well, people they're are discussing. If you some, wonder what he's been laws. doing, he's been lobbying on yeah. Capitol Hill for the last several weeks for this. Yeah. So uh, I, I, there, there needs to be regulation uh, because right now it's a free for all. But I'm in favor of where NIL is now compared to the way NCAA, the NCAA treated this prior to taking a step back. And that's on them, taking the step back the way they did. Again, I, they were afraid of being sued because they knew they would lose. And honestly, that's all we need to know about this. But if you can have the, if you, federally, if you can have some, some regulation for every state, instead of A&M saying, well, we're just following state law. We're not, we're not violating anything here. Your guidelines don't mean anything in the state of Texas. Well, I mean, if you actually want to see that happen, it either has to come by, let's say, conference, or it has to come at the federal level. Well, I'm curious if these two to three years, let's say, the, the start of the NIL era, if this is just going to be a two to three year wild, wild west that is course-corrected by federal regulation and rules that then we look back at these two to three years and say, boy, that was a crazy time. Yeah. Or if this is really just the start of the crazy times that never end. And that's what we're going to find out if there are common-sense regulations with NIL and that everything adjusts to be more fair and balance for schools. Like Shannon Terry said last time. Where there's you, you have actual the rule breaking. Yeah, yeah. Where there's a cap situation. Whatever you want to throw yeah. out there. Where we get back to, well, this team actually broke NIL rules. And you start to see some teams punished for it. And then everything kind of goes back to the middle. Or if these two to three years we're witnessing now, we're in the, right in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Is just the reality of college sports from here to eternity. That's what I want to look back 20, 30 years from now and see about this time, sort of like the COVID year and the COVID years. You look at that and say, well, that was the COVID year. 
And that's about all of sports. You can look at it and say, well, that was a weird season. Which we're also seeing in college Because sports. it was the COVID year, yeah. right? And then you have yeah. the COVID years in sports because players are getting an extra year because of COVID the one year. They didn't have a tournament the one year. Is this going to be the start of the reality moving forward? Or is this going to be something we look back on and say, ah, that was just a wild, wild west throwaway for a few years. And those teams that did well in that time, they weren't ever going to do well long, long term. And now it's back to reality for everyone else. Or is this reality? That's the big question I have. We should start to find out based on answers with this congressional hearing. No one from the SEC or the Big Ten is scheduled to speak at the hearing on behalf of name, image, likeness, and where it is now. They have several players and former players that have participated. Trey Burton, former yeah. Florida player. I yeah. saw and they've uh, got a, spoke a, today. The Patriot League commissioner. They also have uh, an AD from the Pac-12. But th- this is only the beginning of the discussion. And I mean, if anyone knows about NIL, it's the it's Patriot a, League commissioner. No doubt. <laughs> I mean, no doubt. Of all the people that's having to deal with NIL. You know, I've, I've been dealing <laughs> with, uh, with uh, I'm trying to think of a Patriot League team now, Colgate. Over here, and uh, you know they, they really <laughs> we got to figure something out for Colgate because their guys they're getting paid so much under the table right now in NIL. Coming up, primary complaint. We'll air our top grievance of the week. That's next on Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming up, we'll talk Final Four. That will include Tim Brando in the discussion. That'll be in about 30 minutes or so. But Chad, every week at this time, it's time for Primary Complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for a primary complaint on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. It's amazing to me how these things line up on my timeline. First, NASA, letting us know that the most recent telescope images have returned and they are now seeing stars and galaxies light years, light years ahead. That's how far they can reach with these cameras. And then there's right behind the tweet about what NASA's done. They're looking for suspects that have like stolen some jewelry. And there's a surveillance image as if we're going to be able to tell anything about these people uh, up north. I don't understand the vast difference in technology from what we can do in space versus what we can't do and a camera that's hanging off a gutter at the local gas station. We've got to get better with the technology if we're actually going to tweet out images and say, can anyone identify these two? That's my primary complaint. 
That was as grainy as that old video in the Pacific Northwest of Sasquatch rolling through the wilderness <laughs> I mean, look at that. of the of the, the jewelry thief <laughs> suspects. So spent some time in New York City at the end of last week. I know this would come as no shock to a lot of you. I'm not a subway guy, not really a public transit guy. So we took a lot of Ubers and Lyfts and ride chairs to different places around Manhattan. And this is not just something that is unique to the city and unique to New York City. I find this to be the case in a lot of places that I go to. I think the invention of rideshare apps is one of the great innovations of the last 20 years in the world. It's terrific. It's very convenient. It's done a lot of good. But now that we can background screen for drivers and make sure there's no criminal history and we can track them everywhere we go and do everything else, maybe include as part of that background screening a check to see if they have a driver's license. Because I am convinced after two days in New York City <laughs> that most of the people that drive for ride shares don't have a driver's license and in fact cannot drive and they don't know how to. It is infuriating riding in the back seat of some of these cars with drivers that have no business driving themselves anywhere, much less getting paid to drive other people somewhere. It's unsafe. It's terrible. The moment I landed from New York City after flying back through Tampa oh to Nashville <laughs> and being on about six hours of flights and another two or three hours in an airport, being driven everywhere, being transported everywhere in ways I did not want to be transported. The moment I got <laughs> home, my wife picked me up and the text I sent was, get out of the driver's seat and let me drive the car home. I cannot be driven anywhere else after the last couple of days. It's not going to happen. Ride shares, you're great. Your drivers absolutely suck. That is my primary complaint. I like it, Chad. I like that one a lot. It, it does hit home. Uh, guys, I'll be honest. I made a mistake yesterday. And before I get into my primary complaint, I'll own up to that. And what I did not realize was that Arizona does not observe daylight savings time. Now, I know I went on daylight savings time a couple weeks ago, had the whole Nick Cage thing, whatever. But what I didn't realize was uh, that Arizona, with them not observing it, so when you guys were in Phoenix for the Super Bowl, I was just thinking, oh, yeah, they're an hour behind Central Time, whatever. So it led to an issue, but then I go down a rabbit hole. And I'm just like, what are the weirdest time zones there are? And that brings me to my primary complaint of Newfoundland. If you look at Newfoundland, they actually set their time zone a half hour on the, on the half hour. So where it's like, it's four o'clock in New York right now, it would be 5.30 in Newfoundland and Labrador for, for that matter. But the, the reason that's an issue is because like, I'm looking at this place and like, whenever I'm doing all these bookings, you always have to make sure you're, you're lining up times well. Like Australia is a thing in and of itself, like when we had Bogut on. And so I'm always used to, before moving to Nashville, dealing with Eastern Standard Time. So it's pretty much New York or Knoxville for me, which I've always said, if you've seen one, you've seen the other. And when I got back to Newfoundland, the other thing that just struck me about this province of Canada in general is how many words do you think that is? Well, you hear Newfoundland, you're probably thinking, oh, maybe two words? No. All right. Well, maybe it's just three. Newfoundland, but yes. So, but the fact that that is all just one word, like that's just my primary complaint. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the fact that they didn't, and like, I mean, how original is that? Like, the, whenever the settlers came, they're just like, oh, well, here's some land that we found, and it's new to us, Newfoundland. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. It, it's, it was lazy. Whoever came up with it is dumb. And then they did their time zone on a, th like, at the 30 minute. It's just the entire thing. That's my primary complaint. Can you imagine, though, Davey, have, hosting a show? 
in Newfoundland or Labrador Island, and you're the only one on that time zone, and you're trying to figure out everyone else. It'd be mad. You're doing it in your own time. Wait a minute. So that's we. Our show's at three o'clock here. That's and you're going through the breakdown of everything, knowing that the small population in this area are the only people that observe that time zone. That's it. Well, I'm sitting here trying to Google. Um, are all? But how many dogs are named, or how many? Places they are named after, or a dog got the name after this. Newfoundland. What came first? Re- uh, definitely the place. Yeah, Labrador or the Labrador. <laughs> Labrador. It's the old Not chicken and the egg conversation. But yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. How many other dog uh, breeds are, are named after a country? I watched a fascinating 60 Minutes piece on dogs Yeah. the other night. I know this shocks you, Hutton. I've got another it great does. dog story, too, that involved a stone. <laughs> that I had to pick up around a dog that don't that reminds me I have to get to that at some yes, point. Yes. Um, but the connection with wolves and dogs and the evolution of wolves to dogs and how this is maybe the one case that it's the, the friendliest survived. That wolves are dying out because they are unwilling to be more like dogs. Dogs around early settlers. The ones that were friendly, the wolves became dogs. Dire wolves, and they have they have <laughs> survived, and then dire wolves became wolves, who became Labradors, and they now okay. live on Labrador Island. Um, anyway, I probably butchered that, the actual piece, but that was the gist of it. And I'll get to me nearly murdering oh, a dog yeah. later in the show. Chad living uh, on Labrador Island with Labradors. <laughs> just, just... It felt like a scene from Last of Us that I encountered <laughs> on my neighborhood running trail yesterday. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, two days ago. Oh, two oh, days ago, is, I, I was on the phone with Hutton when this happened. Yeah, and Chad picked up a stone. I did. Luckily, he did not have to use it, but it was very, I'm, very close. I'm basically David, and this dog is Goliath. <laughs> I'll explain. Yes, that's coming up. Plus headlines, and then Tim Brando on the final four here on Hot Mike. 